wonder how these work. Like, do we just come in or? Because, <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. You can just intro it together. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Go. All right. Sounds good. All right. Cool. Hello, folks, and welcome to a new season of In Melbourne Last Week. This is a conversation podcast where I speak to everyday people who do extraordinary things. My name is Ivan Pijoni, and I'm a Melbourne-based voiceover artist, actor, and novice drummer. And I've been doing podcasting for nearly three years now, and I currently have two podcasts. This one, as well as a Seinfeld podcast, but I don't want to be a secondary character. I'm one of the voices behind that podcast. I'm back for another season of this podcast, and uh, this season's themes are mainly about adversity and survival, but of course, like with the other two seasons, I do have a variety of of guests coming up for you. Many of them have faced their own adversity and they do talk about that and there's also some other topics that break it up as well. My first guest for this season is a Queensland based podcaster. Her name is Ashley Turner. She got in touch with me a while ago and wanted to talk to me about my cancer story which I do mention on this podcast and I have also mentioned in season one of In Melbourne last week. It was actually a crossover episode with her podcast Empower with Ash which is coming out this week in tandem with In Melbourne last week and she's a survivor of domestic abuse and uh, she does have her podcast Empower with Ash, like I said, and she talks to people who are also facing their own adversity, uh, whether it is domestic violence or anything else. So you can listen to this interview on In Melbourne last week, as well as her podcast. Uh, I'll leave links in the show notes. She was great to talk to, and I really appreciated her telling me her story, and we had a nice conversation about some other things as well. So here she is, Ashley Turner. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of, well, in Melbourne last week, and uh, this is a cross-promotion episode. I'm with Ashley. She's from uh, Empower with Ash podcast. How's it going? Hello. <laughs> hey. <laughs> this is also going to be an episode on your show. So this is like I a know. crossover. This is great. Yeah. It's like, two stories in one. Yeah. It's like Marvel and DC crossing over or something, you know? Yeah. I'll be DC. You can be Marvel. There you go. Okay, cool. I'm Iron Man. <laughs> I'm Batman. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so this is um this is the first episode of my podcast uh for season 3 and uh yeah, now we thought because um Ashley and I were um going to interview each other anyway, so we thought let's just do a crossover episode and, you know, promote each other's shows. So uh so we thought why not? Why not? Yeah, yeah. We're being efficient and effective with our time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, we're doing well. I mean, you're up in Queensland. How how is it up there? It is freaking hot yeah. this weekend. Like it's been 40, I think, today and Ooh. yesterday. Yeah. It has been hot. And as I, I told you a couple of weeks ago, my family have just moved from Melbourne. Yeah. And they are dying. <laughs> they are dying now. They're oh, like, geez. Hot. <laughs> oh goodness! Yeah, I know it's forty. Like, because I'm from Queensland originally as well, and I like whenever it was thirty. Like, you always put. I don't know if it's probably the same for you, but I always put like five degrees on top because you add humidity as well. Yeah. So if it's forty, that means it must feel like forty-five. You know, I could probably cook eggs on the road. Like that's how hot it is. Yeah. Wow. Geez. So you stay safe uh, from the sun. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> <Pretend>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, Ash, you are um, so you're a podcaster, like I mentioned. Uh, you do the Empower with Ash podcast, which you just released, uh, I guess, in late October or mid-October, I think. Yeah? Yeah. How's that all been going for you? It has been going very well. I think when you do something like this, I always think long-term. So, I always think, oh, I'm not going to get any bites until a year, two, three years down the track. That's just how I think. Yeah. I always think long-term. but. I didn't expect to impact as many people as I have been in just this short period. So I'm a baby, like compared to you. My podcast is like a baby. So yeah, it's yeah. like, what, four, six weeks old. <laughs> and 
it's um, I'm learning and growing as we're going, but it's just been really short, sharp, and impactful. And I didn't think I prepared myself for it, so it's it's been beautiful. It's been a beautiful process so far. Yeah, very wonderful. Yeah, well, my my baby is like a toddler. You know, it's it's been out since 2018, <laughs> and uh, this is like I said, season three, episode one. So uh, yeah, it's very uh, yeah, it's grown up and it's you know becoming its own thing. So yeah, you got a lot to look forward to next year or you know the year after if you keep going. How's your journey been since from when you started to going into season three? Have you changed the podcast a lot, like your style and everything like that? Well, I mean, for me, like I came from like a radio background. I did community radio for probably two or three years before I did podcasting. So I was kind of already familiar with doing interviews and audio and, you know, using the microphone and stuff. So it was all, it wasn't really new. Like the only new thing really was more technical stuff, like having my own equipment at home, you know, instead of going into a radio studio. Um, But in terms of the format, it's always just been like a, a casual interview podcast. Like I usually have like a set of questions, you know, just to kind of guide me. But yeah, usually whatever comes up, comes up. Um, But no, I don't think the format's really been, you know, changed. I mean, I've had, I have had a lot of like different guests you know, from different backgrounds and, you know, with different things going on. Um, But no, I I think the format's really the same. If you go back and listen, it's basically the same, but it's just, it's not really about me. It's more, well, I guess compared to today, you know, today it's kind of about me and and you as well. Um, But no, usually it's just about the other guests and what they do. And, you know, it's kind of just bringing their stories to light, you know, I mean, you don't have to be a famous person to be on the podcast or a high profile, just as long as you're doing something interesting, then, you know, I'm happy to talk to you and, and get your story out there. Definitely. And who has been a guest on your show that's really wowed you? Like, didn't you didn't expect to be so impressed with their story and that? Yeah, well, actually, I've had a, a few like that. But actually, one that was really interesting in season two, I, I spoke to a um, a Melbourne-based a voiceover artist. His name was Michael Marshall. Um, Michael was actually blind. So he was, yeah, so he was telling me that he got into voiceover later on in life. Um, and he always had a good voice. He sounds really good too, of course. Um, but yeah, he was telling me about how he reads scripts. Like, he doesn't read them. Yeah, obviously he can't read, you know, because he's been blind basically since birth. And yeah, he was just telling me what, like he uses like software that, that reads back the words to him and he kind of says the words. Um, yeah, he was, just, he was just demonstrating that kind of stuff as well. He actually did like a demo of the software and stuff, but it's just amazing speaking to him, you know, like he's able to adapt to technology and like there's accessibility options on his phone that can enable him to, you know, he knows like which menu he's in and stuff. You know, you might be in like contacts and it'll just say to you contacts, you know, or something. So you know exactly where you're going. It's really, yeah, really amazing. Like, I was I was really floored. Um, I mean, he was one. But also another one in season two was another, um, well, another domestic violence survivor as well. Um, her, she's from Hong Kong. Her name's Jules Hannaford. And um, she uh, she's from Adelaide and she moved to Hong Kong a few years ago. She does her own podcast about Hong Kong. And she was telling me the story about online dating. Um, she actually was a victim uh, she met someone for online dating in the UK. She went to the UK to go meet him and he was a very violent man. So I went through very similar things to you. Um, but she kind of, uh, she got out of it luckily as well, but she did face abuse as well. So, uh, yeah, it was quite troubling to listen to, but you know, again, like in Melbourne last week, basically the tagline is everyday people who do extraordinary things. So, you know, as long as, you know, you, you're doing something extraordinary, like what you're doing, of course, with your podcast and, uh, you know, other people who've been on the show, you know, I'm really happy to have them on board and, uh, yeah, it's just great to get your stories out there. And so one day maybe, you know, a celebrity might hear this and want to come on, but it's all right. If that never happens, it's all good. As long as I have people on board, it's fine. Exactly. And everyday yeah. people, you're able to relate to them probably a little bit more and connect with them. Yeah. For some we put celebrities on this pedestal and they are normal people and we can connect with them, but we just put them on this 
pedestal and we're like, oh, we can't connect with them. We can't relate to them. But they yeah. go through every issues like us. So I guess that everyday people thing. Yeah. I think that's a good way for people to go, oh, well, that issue is with this everyday person, but these celebrities, all these people that we place as gods in our lives these days. Yeah, yeah. They go through the same thing. Yeah. I mean, what do you think of the celebrity culture? Do you think it's a bit too, uh, I don't know, a bit too vapid, do you think? Mm. What, what do you think? There's celebrity and there's what I call, what's this new term, influencer. Influencer, and I think, yeah. Yes, that's the thing I'm a little bit iffy around. All right. And there are, there are people that are definitely influencers, like you're genuine, you're 100% influencers, but then you've got some that are, I don't know what it is, they're trying to copycat them and pretend they have this whole big lifestyle and they think that that's going to make them happy and then you... You know, scratch the surface and they're miserable and they're trying to be what their icons are, which are these major, you know, celebrities and influencers. But I ask myself the question, it's what are you influencing? Yeah, that's true. If you're an influencer, what are you influencing? Like, what is your why? What is your message? Because I think that's what gets, you know, a little bit you know, mixed up with people these days. Is oh, I'm an influencer. Yeah, for what? And then you see them like... <laughs> Oh, lifestyle. What about lifestyle? And yeah. if you keep asking the questions, they have no idea what they're doing. They're just copying someone that's the new hot trend. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's my sort of thoughts on it. But good on them for doing what they're doing. But I think there's a little bit more questions to ask around. They're like, what's your why? What's your purpose? Are you genuinely happy? You're just doing it to fit in because it's a new trend. Um, but I like the word ambassador. Ambassador, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I prefer that. So for you know, you and I, yeah. I wouldn't say we're influencers. I would no. say we're ambassadors for you know empowering people and change and stuff like that. Because if you scratch out you know our surface, we know exactly what we're doing and what's motivating us. When most people these days don't, they're just following like the sheep and that yeah. the shiny new object, which is influencer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm more likely to contract influenza than actually become an influencer. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's more likely, I think, in my life. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but I'm. <laughs> what are your thoughts around it? Oh well, I mean, you know, that's just the the modern day. You know, I mean, influencers are a new thing, and uh, I've clear there's clearly money in it, in it. Like, there's a lot of paid, you know, posts and that sort of thing. So, I don't know. I think as long as you know the influencer has good intentions and you know doesn't spread the wrong message to the influencees, then you know, I, I don't see a problem with it really. I mean, it's just a, a sign of the times. But the yeah. problem is, I think that there's too many, especially young kids, teenagers. They all want to be influencers, you know, which is all well and good. But you kind of there's kind of a responsibility to it. As well, like you can't just say, "Oh, I just want to put up posts of me in a bikini on Instagram, and I'll get ten thousand likes." You know, there's a lot more to it than that. You know, if you kind of if you have that influence, you you should really you know do something really good about it or good with it. You know, you can't just you know use it to like show off your body or you know that sort of thing. That's the way I see it. But no, you can't fight yeah, it. No, I agree yeah. with that completely. Yeah. Don't do it just because it's the hot trend. Do it for good, not evil. Yeah. And don't do it just for the Gucci bag and the belt because that seems to be the hot new thing this week. Mm -hmm. And something that I've had a good conversation with in the last few weeks is people asking me about that. Like, you know, everyone seems to be in bikinis and have, you know, the Gucci belt and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's all well and good. If they're happy doing what they're doing, good on them. Yeah. But I flip the question around and I say to myself, okay, if I was to go buy a Lamborghini, yeah. am I doing it for me or am I doing it to show it on social media so I look cool 
and that I'm you know living that lifestyle. And I'll tell you right now, if I had the money to go buy a Lamborghini, I would genuinely buy it for me because twelve year old Ashley has always wanted it. Okay, <laughs> right, one. right. But I wouldn't post it all over social media as well. And I've asked myself that question: if I'm going to go buy this Gucci bag, whatever it is, would I still buy it if I was not allowed to post it on social media? True. And I guarantee ninety nine percent of the people these days would be like. You're supposed to put it on social media. That's you know that's the thing. We want to flaunt it when I don't see things that way. I go, no, if I'm going to buy it, I'm going to buy it for me because yeah, it's yeah. something that I genuinely want to do and I'm not going to go post it all over social media for that. Yeah, I mean, you enjoy it for yourself, like the old days. Yeah. <laughs> you buy things yeah. and you enjoy them and, you know, you, as long as you get satisfaction out of it, then who cares what everyone else thinks, huh? Exactly. Don't yeah. do it just to put it on a post. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Spot on. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I guess, Ash, uh, well, I mean, how are we going to do this? I guess we'll just ask each other questions and, you know, see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I guess... I've never done this before. No. Now, this, this, <laughs> yeah, now, this is the first crossover for me as well, for, for anything really in Melbourne and, and also my Seinfeld podcast, Bidwabask. I've never never done anything like this before. So, uh, yeah, very, uh, very interesting. So, I guess you and I have... Yeah, well, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> steady the ship um i think i guess you and i can start off with um i mean you and i have something very in common i mean we've both overcome our own kinds of adversity i mean you you were in a very abusive relationship for a while um and you escaped and i had cancer which luckily was found early um and and also i have talked about this on in melbourne last week it's one of my earlier episodes so if you want to go back to season one uh, i explain my uh, cancer treatment and what happened so so I don't have to really explain it too much here but I guess yeah with that major surgery that I had to kind of literally save my life um and you you know you've getting out of that relationship as well I guess you and I have kind of been stronger as a result is that how you feel do you feel like you've become a stronger person definitely and you know people ask me all the time yes I was in a relationship for you know three years and I was mentally emotionally and physically abused and you know, I didn't know what was happening during that whole relationship and now I'm two years what I call free from it. And it's only that last probably year that I've realized what actually happened to me because I wanted to block it out for so long. It was like I didn't want I just wanted to ignore it. But looking back now, I would not go back in time and not go through it because it helped me discover truly how strong I was and how empowering I could use that experience, not only for myself, but for others as well. So yeah, I do. I feel a lot more stronger from it. And if I hadn't gone through that, I don't think I'd be able to discover that any other way, going through hell and back and then going, you know what? I'm killing it. I love who I am and I'm just going to keep moving forward. How about yourself? Oh, well, me, like, I'd rather not, <laughs> you know, have had cancer. But uh, no, I, I, I understand your point. I mean, like, I, I think for me, you know, it was more because, like I said, like, luckily it was caught early, like it wasn't terminal. I didn't need any extra treatment like chemo or radiation or anything, which was great. Like, really lucky I didn't have to go through any of that stuff. Um, But for me, I think it was more like my experiences in seeing other people in the hospital that I was in. So I was in St. Vincent's Hospital in, in Melbourne, um, and I stayed three weeks in a private room by myself and then I was in three weeks for rehab in the rehab board and just the amount of people that I saw with different debilitating conditions diseases illnesses uh, injuries whatever it just kind of 
Previously, I used to get really worried over the littlest things. The smallest things would like really irk me and I'd really worry about my future and all that kind of stuff. But then after what happened, I kind of, in a way, it kind of put everything into perspective for me. Like I, I realized after my op and my six-month recovery <laughs> where I wasn't able to walk without any AIDS or anything like that, um, I learned that, uh, you know, things happen for a reason and, you know, we should just enjoy life and, and life is very precious. Like it can get taken away from you anytime. You know, life is so fragile. And if, yeah, if I didn't have my, intu- well, my sort of like my intuition and go to the doctor and get checked, you know, and I left it for a couple of years, I'd probably be dead, you know. So like the fact that I, I went to all that effort to go get the operation and it was successful and I and luckily I've been clean for two years. I went for my scans back in June and it all came out, you know, good. So nothing's come up, which is fantastic. Yeah, I just feel like that with life, you know, it's good to, you know, look forward to the future and stuff, but you gotta enjoy the, the moments today. Um, even just having like a cup of coffee or, you know, going out to see a friend for an hour. Like I had lunch with my cousin today, which was great. Um, you know, so just doing stuff like that, you know, and just enjoying the little things in life and just taking it in a way like one day at a time as well. Cause you never know what's around the corner, you know, any day could be your last, you know, you could like me, like some pain in your leg or a pain in your body could end up being something serious. Like what happened to me? Or, you know, you could walk to work one day and you get hit by a bus. You know, and it's all over. You know what I mean? So, you know, you got to really just enjoy every moment and, uh, yeah, don't worry too much about life. You know, life is hard, but, you know, you, can, you should have some fun on the way. Yes, and I like that saying, life happens for you, it doesn't happen to you. Yeah, yeah, good point. I like that one. It's one of my favorite ones. With your mindset, and I think we're both the same here, mindset is so important and it's literally your, your make and break in life, I think, and yeah. how you see and how you know with your adversity and stuff so when you went through finding out you had cancer and all that yeah how did you manage your mindset to not go to that negative and dark place and to have that more positive empowering mindset instead yeah well when i found out like my surgeon when he when he diagnosed me he was positive the whole time i think that helped a lot as well um he basically said we got it early you know you'll have a major op that'll change you physically um, but you'll still be able to walk, you'll still be able to do most, you know, tasks like you used to do. Um, but he said, he was basically positive. He said, you know, it hadn't spread, um, you know. So I think I think from the very start, like, it wasn't bleak. And he even said to me that, like, he was such a, an optimistic surgeon that he even said to me that being told you have cancer these days isn't always a death sentence. Like, you know, cancer could be, like, there's a huge spectrum of cancer. Cancer could be like a mole, you know, that's, you know, a bit off, you know, on your skin, or it could be like stage four. You know, so there's and there's always everything in between. So luckily, my tumor was a low grade one. Um, but I think just having that positive mindset, knowing that the operation, you know, if it goes well, um, I'll be okay. Like I had fantastic, you know, nurses and doctors looking after me in hospital. I had a great medical team behind me, so I I I knew that everything would be alright. And just you know, knowing that you know being in hospital is only temporary, and I'll be out. You know, there were some times where I felt like it dragged and, you know, my positivity kind of, you know, waned a bit, you know, which is normal. Like sometimes I'd think like, what if I can't actually walk or, you know, what if, you know, something came back in like six months, even worse, or, you know, what if something goes wrong with my, because I had my, my left pelvis removed, amputated as well as the tumor. Um, I was thinking like, what if something goes wrong on my pelvis, you know, and I, you know, I get infected or I get a blood clot or, you know, something fatal, you know what I mean? Like while I'm in hospital, you know, all these things go through your mind. But I think 
my positive attitude helped with my recovery as well. I think um, because doctors told me that usually for an operation like mine, it's called an internal hemipelvectomy, where they remove half the pelvis and they either use the remaining tissue and muscle to sew it all together like they did with me. Um, or they'll put a prosthetic in, like a like a like an artificial hip, or something else. Usually, for my kind of operation, people are in hospital for about eight to ten weeks. Um, but I was out. Well, I was ready to leave in five weeks to be discharged. And I think a lot of it was to do with positive mindset as well. Like every day, I'd go have physio, I'd have rehab, I'd have all that stuff. Um, but I felt good about it, and I, I I made huge strides. Like every day, like literally for the first three days after my surgery, my exercise was sitting up on the bed. And like literally sitting at the edge of the bed. That was my exercise. And then, you know, after a few days, standing up for five minutes, you know, a week later, standing up for 10 minutes, you know, and then eventually slowly, slowly walking, you know, with, you know, aids and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I just felt like through the whole time, like the whole thing, I was just really positive about the whole thing. Like I knew it was going to be okay. You know, my surgery was very successful. And uh, yeah, I think that helped me mentally as well. And, and, that, and that reduced my time in hospital. So I felt like, um, you know, having that positive mindset, you know, really helped a lot. And I think something that you said, I think you managed your expectations as well. Yeah. Because I think that's what hurts us the most sometimes. We have these high hopes and expectations that we're going to cover in a week. Yeah. You know, like you're at instance, and then that's what sets you back. And then you spiral into this negative mindset like, oh, nothing's happening for me. But yeah. you really broke it down into those small bite-sized pieces, which is great. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of people as well, they don't, I think a lot of people with what I went through, if you read more about the operation that I went through, I think a lot of people would struggle to, you know, accept the fact that it's got to be done. Like for me, it kind of had to be done based on the location of the tumor being with inside the pelvis, like in the cartilage in between the joint and the uh, the ball and the socket, I should say. Um, I think a lot of people would probably really have trouble trying to accept it um, because there was, for me, there was no other way of doing it. It was either that or the tumor spreads it eventually becomes so big that my hip can't handle it and then it fractures my hip and then it spreads into my blood and lymph nodes and with my kind of cancer it's called chondrosarcoma and that kind of cancer is actually i did mention before that you like radiation and chemo don't work uh well like i didn't need chemo and radiation i mean um they're actually immune uh, the, the the sarcoma is actually immune to those condition those diseases of that um, kind of cancer. So even if they get if they pump me with chemo, it wouldn't work. Wouldn't do anything. It's a waste of time. Um. So basically, if it spread, I I'd be probably dead. I'd die. You know, I'd probably have an end date. So um. Yeah. But I was really grateful that that it's gone and it was isolated, didn't spread anywhere, and and nothing's come up ever since. So yeah, that that's kind of uh, that's helped me a lot. And because we've spoken about this previously, yeah. And what was that comment that you said to, to your doctor? Like your biggest concern was around walking again, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I spoke to you. Um, I spoke to you the other week, and um, yeah, I did say that. Uh, um, I, one of the questions that I had for the doctor because he told me with that kind of operation, you'd think how can one person walk after what happened? You know, I I said to him, I said, will I be able to walk again? That's literally what I asked, just bluntly like that. And he goes, yeah, you can. He goes, with recovery and, you know, rehab and stuff, you'll be able to walk. You won't need any aids. You won't be in a wheelchair. You won't need a cane or anything like that. So even though I did need it for my recovery, but now I don't need it. I just have like a high, like a like a lift under my shoe, in the sole of my shoe, to kind of lift my leg up. Because my leg uh, went a bit longer. They lengthened my leg uh, after doing the operation. So it's a little bit longer. Um, so I kind of, yeah, my legs are a bit uneven. So I kind of need like a lift because uh, there's like a leg length discrepancy. Um, but yeah, no, it's fine. I'm able to walk pretty reasonably. So obviously I can't do things like run marathons or play sport, but I wasn't doing it much anyway. I'm not really a fit kind of guy, as you can probably see, but... um. <laughs> but... 
<laughs> um, but yeah, but as long as I can walk from. No, that's right. You, you can only see like my head and my neck, so it's fine. <laughs> Leave it at that. <laughs> Leave it at that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that I can go out, I can walk, like I'm not confined to my room, you know, my, my house, you know, I think that really helps mentally as well. Yeah. And it's basically like, it's inspired me to really give it my all in everything I do, like in the podcasting space. Like I started podcasting three months before I was diagnosed. I was doing my Seinfeld podcast uh, beforehand. Uh, we just started doing it about three months before. And then I had a hiatus because obviously for, for that reason. And uh, yeah, then I started in Melbourne about a year later. So that's how it worked out. Well, I love that you've used that as like motivation for yourself as well. Yeah. Like I love that. You just grabbed it and you just ran with it. Yeah. And I like that you just went, I walk again. That's my biggest concern because I was obviously that was your biggest concern. Oh. You didn't even think about the dying bit. You just went, can I walk again? Yes, I can. Let's just go. Yeah. Like, and you just ran with it. Yeah, the walking bit only came when my doctor reassured me that it didn't spread and it was low grade and they could cure me with the surgery. Like once that happened, then my concern for walking came in, you know, because then, like I said, my surgeon reassured me that when you get told these days that you have cancer, usually it's not a death sentence. It's only like extreme cases. But so he said, you know, it's not nothing really to be worried about. <laughs> so I guess for him... And you're probably lucky that you were young. Well. Yeah, my body could handle it too. I mean, I did tell you recently that um, off air that if I was like 80 and I needed the operation, I probably wouldn't do it. You know, they probably wouldn't do it on me. I'd be too old or 90. So I'd be like, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm old. <laughs> Just let it go. You know? <laughs> yeah, I've done everything I want to do. So, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I was 20. <laughs> I mean, I was, it was 2017 when I was diagnosed. I was 29 years old. So I'm 31 now. So yeah, being really young as well, you know. And plus, my, my mother passed away from cancer when she was 32. I was four years old uh, in the 90s. So, you know, having that fear of dying around her age, that kind of freaked me out too. Um, so, yeah, but, yeah, but just having that positive attitude, learning to walk again, you know, kind of helped me go through. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing doing all right today. I got goosebumps when you said that your mum passed away at 32. Yeah. so young. Yeah, I know. She had cancer too. So not, not my kind of cancer, of course, but, uh, yeah, lung cancer. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she was very young. Yeah, that kind of freaked me out. Yeah. You know, being diagnosed yeah, around that probably. age, you know, it worries me. It, or it did worry me. Oh, my gosh. Enough about me, that. though. <laughs> Enough oh, about God, talking yeah. about myself. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you can listen to, well, if you go back to my season one of In Melbourne last week, you'll, it's episode 13, I think. Uh, I, it's about 35 minutes long. It'll have everything, all the details in there. So yeah, if you're, if you're an Empower with Ash listener, subscribe to my podcast and uh, have a listen to that. What I was going to ask you with your, after you release your podcast and your story, yeah, how, like, what was the impact or what was, you know, like your audience, were they reaching out to you, sharing their stories and being like, thank you for your empowering us as well to get through it? Well, it's really funny. I mean, I had a few people, like mostly friends and family, you know, tell me how brave I was to come out and explain my story um, because I recorded that about a year after my operation. So that was in 2018. So that was like, it, it was basically literally, I think like a week or so after my one year scans where it came back clear. So I felt like it was a form of closure to kind of tell my story. So then I can kind of put it behind me and then kind of move on because, you know, well, in terms of like other people, I had a few people, but not. I mean, not a lot. I mean, in Melbourne last week back then was really small. 
Um, so there weren't as many listeners, but it's it's growing now. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe the episode will have a second life. People will go back and listen to it in 2019, 2020, you know, when this episode releases. And uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll start getting more people, you know, getting um, reaching out to me. I think it will. Like, it's yeah. one of those things that so many people go through it. It's just one of those. I had a, I interviewed a lady last week, and she's from America. I'm re- releasing her story next week. Her name's Stacy. Okay, yep. Um, she went through domestic violence. Was married to a sociopath. So yeah. It was so fascinating to talk to her. Wow. But one of her things is don't stop talking about your message. She's like, don't just share it once. Keep sharing it, and you'll keep getting that ripple effect and that impact because you'll bring people along the way. So that would be my advice to you. Keep yeah. sharing your story as well because yeah. you don't know who it's going to impact yeah. at what point in their life as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, when I before I started in Melbourne last week, I was always pretty quiet about what I went through. Like, I didn't really put anything on Facebook or I kind of wanted it to be like a private thing. But realizing, you know, all these stories coming out, and especially like with what you're doing and other people who've done similar things. Like, I have a friend who does a mental health podcast as well. He suffers from anxiety and depression. He's been on my podcast as well. His name's Shane. Um, you know, what he's doing, he, he's really open about his mental illness as well. And and people like yourself and him and, and others that I know, um, they kind of inspire me to, to say my story, you know, because obviously my, my operation is very rare and my kind of cancer, it doesn't affect anyone. Usually it's people over 60 that it affects. So me being 29 and having an operation or having a tumor that an old person would have. And even then, like, I give you an idea of how rare it is. Last year or maybe in 2017 or 2018, I think there was, geez, like 16 million cases of cancer, like new cases. And obviously cancer is like a big spectrum. I think out of that 16 million in the US, I think about 300,000 had my condition. So, you know, it just goes to show you like all those kinds of cancers that are there. That's how rare this thing was. And the fact that I was under, like under 60 and I got the thing, I was literally almost like a one in a million, you know? Like, probably one in a million people, like, under 60, I think that's what the stats said, would be under under that age to get that kind of cancer. So, you know, I'm, at least I'm one in a million in something, right? <laughs> the positive side. Yeah. <laughs> the glass half full, you know? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, like I said, if you want to go listen to that episode, season one, episode 13 of the podcast, uh, yeah, go back and listen to it. I won't explain it here. <laughs> That'll give you more detail about how it all happened. Yeah. And that was about a year yeah, after the old. Yeah. For sure. And that was about a year after the operation, so things haven't really been different since then, so nothing's really changed. <laughs> short, sharp. Yeah, short, sharp. Yeah, that is all. <laughs> what about yourself? That is all. Yeah. What about yourself? Well, you've I listened to your a few of your episodes, and uh, I I did listen to your first one where you talked about your experience, a very emotional story. Um, so I guess like you know, obviously people who listen to your podcast, you know, we don't have to go through that story again, you know. Um, but yeah, you um, you're in that relationship. You were with a, like a narcissist, is that right? Yeah, actual yep. narcissist. Was was he actually diagnosed with NPD or? Um. So I didn't know take it back a bit i yeah. didn't know what domestic violence was number yeah. one yeah. so during that relationship when they're playing with your mind you have no idea what's reality and what's not and yeah. as i said it was probably a year after the relationship that i you know how you just feel this unsettled you'll feel unsettled and yeah. something's not right yeah and i was like i've broken up with him i still feel unsettled about the whole situation mm, yeah. and that's when it dawned on me i hadn't properly deep dived into what happened because I just blocked it out because it was so traumatic and it was so draining that I didn't really want to dissect it and be like, okay, this happened to me. Yeah. What actually happened kind of thing. 
And I remember during that relationship, because he was playing with my head, I kept writing down situations, his behaviors, what he was saying to me, yeah. all of that sort of stuff, because I didn't know what it was. And when you Google types, you Google things like that, it's such a big range of behaviors. You could be anything from a bloody psychopath down to a narcissist, which is one of the hardest personality disorders to even diagnose as well so i didn't know what it was yeah and then i was talking to a close friend of mine um and he referred me to a psychologist friend of his to go this sounds like a narcissist and i was like what the hell is that yeah and i looked it up and it sent shivers up my spine because everything that was listed and what they did and how they play with your mind I felt as if he typed it himself. Like it was him to a T and yeah. I was like, what the hell? So sure. I went and, you know, I went and spoke about it and went, this is what happened to me. This is what he used to do. And they're like, he is a narcissist, like yeah. complete narcissist. And I got a bigger, you know, eye opener when I was interviewing that psychiatrist um, a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about what, you know, these personality disorders are, and he was, you know, off record, off air. He was like, he is the narcissist to a T. Yeah. And I'm reading his book at the moment. His book? Like he released a book, book, did he? Yeah, and it's literally about all these different personality disorders because we don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about these hidden ones like narcissists and sociopaths. Oh. We talk about, yeah, so right. we talk about all the psychopaths and everything like that, but these are the the hard people to identify and he really opened my eyes to exactly what he did and how he manipulated me and I was like oh my gosh like yeah. it was like he was reading his mind yeah it was crazy so yeah. oh, it was um so for me to talk about it and then you know confront myself with it as well yeah because one of those things is people go oh it's too hard to deal with but I knew I needed closure and the only way I could get closure is talking about it. So yeah. that's where this podcast came into play. It was mm -hmm. more, let me do this for my closure, but I didn't realize the impact it may have on other people as well. And I've had so many women in particular reach out to me going, we are your silent survivors and warriors, like standing behind you. We've been through that. We don't want to talk about it. But please do not stop talking about it. And that's why I was saying to you, you might have those secret people that might not be talking to you or coming forward, but you're helping them. Yeah. That's so it, said, was, yeah. it was a huge impact for me. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. it's funny because I spoke to a psychologist recently and um, they said that, we actually talked about narcissistic personality disorder. And like you mentioned, you said before that it's actually really hard to diagnose. Uh, the reason being is because people with narcissism actually think they're okay. So to, to the, the fact that you're trying to get them into the office is impossible because they think, I'm fine, nothing wrong with me. And then, you know, you yeah, can't force them into the room. So No, because they think everything else is the problem. Everyone else is the problem. Yeah. They're fine. That's right. And the psychiatrist that I interviewed, he said... These days, people say, oh, be scared of, uh, you know, worried about that, you know, dodgy looking person. And he's yeah. like, no, you need to be afraid of those charming people yeah. that just fly by the radar and you just don't, you you think that they're, you know, they see you as their world. And you're like, oh, my gosh, they yeah. get me. He's like, they're the people you need to worry about. They're the people that are manipulating you and targeting you because I mm. didn't know that. They target you. Yeah. That's what scared me the most. 
Yeah, wow. Jeez, so you, you had quite a tumultuous three years then. Yes, it was um, a very interesting relationship. It was never boring, let's say that. <laughs> um, but it starts off as, because people ask me, like, why didn't you leave straight away when he started hurting you? And yeah. I was like, I don't think people realize he didn't start physically hurting me straight away. It was a good year or so deep in after all that emotional and sort of psychological abuse where he already played with my mind, then that's when the physical stuff started. Okay. And it's like you've already had your brain, I don't know, I call it like corrupted. Like I felt someone was like hacking my brain and I didn't feel like myself. So, yeah, that was one of the scariest, I guess, things is when you feel like you're not even in control of your own thoughts. And I talk about this in one of my videos on side effects. Like I have big memory loss, like big black spots where I have no idea what's happened. Yeah. But if I try to think about it, it sends like this weird shiver. You know how you feel like someone's walked in your grave? It sends that shiver up my spine. So it's like this physical reaction going, don't, don't unlock what's there you've blocked it out for a reason and you know the the psychiatrist was talking about he said that's huge trauma yeah so big things have happened to you and you've literally just blocked it out because you don't want to remember it and he said sometimes you may not want to remember if you're happy on a good path now don't open it but if you're still struggling then you might need to go open what's behind that door you have to face it yeah yeah, I'm fine. I don't want to know what's behind that door. Yeah. I know there was bad yeah, there was bad stuff and I don't think I wanna reopen those wounds as such. So as long yeah, as long as it's not affecting you, you know, in your day to day life or anything, you know, we'll keep those doors closed, yes. yeah? Yes, exactly. I know what's happened, but I don't need to know all the nitty gritty details that I've blocked out for a reason. Okay. Don't wanna know. Fair enough. Okay. Well, whatever whatever helps you, you know, move on is fine. Exactly. Good. Well, you're a very uh, very strong person. You have a strong mindset, and uh, yeah, I can tell that you've, uh, you know, you're very resilient. Yeah, you have to be these days. Yeah. And I think you know we all are like that, but some of us just choose to play victim sometimes, and that's something that I find you know is, I'm passionate about because during that relationship, I felt like I was a victim. Mm-hmm. And that's why I harp on about this to people. Like, don't play victim because for three years, I was like, oh, my gosh, why is this happening to me? Like, all this sort of stuff. And I felt sorry for myself. And rightly so. Yes, I can feel sorry for myself. But I also take responsibility that I chose to be in that relationship. And I put myself in that situation because I was terrified of this person and I didn't know how to get out safely. So it comes, at, I guess that balance as well. Like, you know, yes, you're going to have your sad days, but don't fall into that victim trap. Yeah. Because all ha- it's like that, was it seven habits of highly effective people? You have that circle of, you know, influence and control. You control your life. So your situation you're currently in, you've made decisions that have got you there and can, you can get out but you've got to take responsibility for it as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, you got to you got to manage your own life and uh, you do whatever you think is right. Yeah.
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess uh, so you're doing well with the podcast and, uh, you know, even you're getting people's stories. You're doing like what I am doing, you know, you're getting different stories out there. I mean, not as uh, most stories that I have on the podcast aren't as, uh, you know, bleak, uh, you know, as as some that might you have. But, uh, you know, at least we get some stories out there. And hopefully, like you said, there might be a silent, you know, group or, of people who might be inspired. And, uh, you know, even if we never hear from them, we never get an email or a text or nothing. Hopefully, you know, we can do something for them. Exactly. And that's all that matters is, you know, if we're helping other people to, you know, I interviewed a lady called Fatima and I released that podcast, I think this week, and she went through a domestic violent relationship. And then she was basically on her hands and knees with her husband standing over her with a gun. Oh, my God. Pointing her. Oh. Was, and, you know, let's say tortured her or abused her for a good hour, locked her in this room. Jesus. And then she heard this bang. <gasps> and she said there was a split. She said it felt like, like 10 minutes, and it probably would feel like 10 minutes, where she was like, oh, my God, I'm dead. You know, this is me on the other side. And then when she opened her eyes, he shot himself. <gasps> oh, my God. And and shivers up my spine, and I get goosebumps every talk, every time I talk about it. I'm getting she, goosebumps too. Jeez. Oh, that's insane. You listen to it. Like, oh, I, it is yeah. crazy, her story. I have to. But she's someone that's like, I've got all, you know, she's got these silent people behind her, and she's like, as much as I feel like I might be talking to myself and sharing my story because not everyone's responding to you, you are impacting people and you're really helping people. And she said, by you sharing your story, no matter what it is, you could save that one person yeah. and giving them advice to get out sooner or get out safely. Yeah. Because when you put into my, you know, her story and my story, hers is like, oh my gosh, like that is next level stuff. Definitely. But she's like, there's people like, you know, that might be going through what I went through. And the key thing is how do you get out safely? Because we don't talk about that. And sometimes the websites and those professional blogs are giving you what's best practice, but reality is you can't just pack up your stuff and go sometimes no. because they'll hunt you down like what he did to her. Yeah. That's exactly what he did. You want to try leave me? Well, guess what I'm going to do to you? Like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's how I see it. We're empowering people and we're helping people without us even knowing about it. And yeah. if you haven't heard Fatima's story, oh, my God. I'll have to listen to it straight after. Have to. Go listen to it. I will. Yeah. So motivating as well. Like you hear it and you're like, how could someone like that gone through that and be how she is today? Oh. But she's like, it's all about your mindset. That's what she says. Yeah. Mindset. mindset. Yeah. Well, obviously, my story is nothing like yours or hers. But uh, yeah, no, it's definitely. I guess it is all about all about mindset and trying to trying to get no, out of it. Your story is so impactful, though. Like I couldn't imagine myself going through that because what you had it, you got diagnosed when you're 28 or 29. 29, yeah, yeah. So yeah. 2017, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I couldn't. I wouldn't even know like how I would process that. Yeah. So, and you know, so many people go through cancer and all that, and your little message, you may not feel like you're, you know, making a difference, but someone might be going through that and go, okay, how do I stay positive? Because yeah. that's the worst thing. And what you said, there's so much science behind your mindset and your recovery, no matter what you're going through, even if domestic violence or cancer, mindset and recovery, it plays such a big role yeah. in anything you do. 100%. And, and speaking of what you were saying before, Ash, about um, you know escaping domestic violence, I'm sure you have many people who might still be in situations right now listening 
you know, their partners or whatever don't know they're listening to this podcast. I guess what do you say to those people who may feel like or they are in a domestic violence situation? I mean, I think you've given tips on your podcast about how to escape, but what's a couple of things I guess you can you can tell listeners right now who may be in this predicament, you know, and, and you're and you're like their their only way, you know, of, of help or assistance, you know, like what do you what do you say to people in those situations? And that's the whole reason I started this podcast is because I wish I had something like this, someone that went to it through it that I could relate to that knew how to get out safely. And the first few things is, number one, you need to get clarity in yourself because that emotional and mental abuse, as I said before, it's like my heart, they hijacked my brain. I didn't know what was going on. So journaling and writing is key. Like, And I've spoken to so many people that have gone through it and they say that as well. Write it all down, capture it. I couldn't leave my journal or anything or type anything on my computer and phone because he had apps tracking everything on my devices. Oh, wow. So I was literally not safe. I couldn't do anything like that. So I was journaling at work. So that would be number one. Find, you know, start writing it down, but do it in a safe place. Don't do it in your house. If that's where he is or she, because domestic violence happens to both, Mm. don't do it in your house if that's where they live as well. Do it at work or leave it at your mum's house, wherever your safe place is. Because, you know, once I started writing down what happened, his behaviours, what he was saying to me, that's when I started getting clarity. A few days later or weeks later, I'd read it and be like, that did not happen. I did not say that. Like, yeah. how did this person make me think that I did that? Hmm. So, number one, you need clarity. What the hell is actually going on? Perception versus reality. Yep. Um, another thing is, once you start figuring out, do not change your behaviors. If yeah. you start being really stuffed and really dodgy and you know, doing stuff that you don't normally do, they are going to pick up on that. Huge and, red flags. Oh, and they will probably do something worse because they know that you're getting your mind back and God knows what will happen. So I say be that Stefan housewife like that movie, like Nicole Kidman was in. Yeah. Play cards, do what you're doing, report, be that robot and just fly under the radar because that will put you in more risk. But when I was talking to Fatima as well, she said, your biggest, you know, and I agree with it, the biggest, um, you, you know, your, your biggest threat or that biggest alarm bell is when you are escaping. She said that because she wished she could turn back time because she didn't necessarily do what, you know, what I did was I played the game. I knew the long term. I knew I had to get out. I had to move interstate. I had to let him think it was his idea and that was brilliant. Let him think he won and he'll let you go. But she didn't do that. And that's how she ended up in that situation on her knees with this man and a gun. Yeah. Because she didn't plan it. So when you go, you need to plan and you need to do your escape very well. And there was, you know, I've had a few people that said, you're so right. Don't think short term. Don't think, oh, he's out for a few hours. Can I pack up all my stuff and go now? Yeah. That's not going to work. Think long term like I did. I moved to Brisbane, pretend to do long distance. He let me go. He started cheating on me, started doing all that. And I was like, yes, <laughs> let me go. Like, yeah. Because they become so obsessive and possessive and they need a new target. 
mm-hmm. and they need a new shiny object and I just didn't want to be that shiny object anymore. So I was like, please do whatever you want to, with other women, let me go. And he did. And I was like, <gasps> <laughs> that's when I knew I could get get out. So that's probably my three tips for people. Get clarity. Yeah. Don't change your behaviors and your escape plan has to be spot on because once you escape, that's it. Do not talk to them. Do not be dodgy. Don't do short term. Think long term to get out. Yeah. Well, I guess my advice for what I went through as well, because for me, like I had pains in my leg and knee for about six months. Yeah. Yeah. So you had it. Wasn't it your knee had pain? My knee had pain, but then I went for X-rays and scans, but nothing came up. And I thought, oh, well, it was weird. And then I went to a specialist about six months later, and then he checked my hip and said, "There's something in your hip." I had X-rays done, MRIs, and they found a lesion in my hip. Um, and it was actually what's called referred pain. So the pain actually went from my hip to my knee. It was actually traveling down my leg. Which sometimes your brain has the ability to register pain in a part of your body when the actual um, area where the pain's coming from can be somewhere else. So that's why I thought it was my knee. And then it turns out I had that lesion in my hip, and and, and it was just it was just like my mindset. It was it was my intuition of sorts saying to myself, I think something's really wrong because this pain that I was getting, it wasn't your typical gym. You know, if you go to you know do like F forty five or you know body pump or something. You know, and then, you know, you feel sore. This was like, uh, I, I describe it as a lightning bolt hitting my leg, you know? It was like a lightning bolt. Every time I twisted my leg, it would like, be like lightning hit my leg. It was insane. And, I, and you know, I could have easily just put up with it. I could have been like, oh, well, maybe it's just me getting older or, you know, or something like that. But in my mind, I thought, no, this is ridiculous. I can't live like this. You know, I can't live every time I twist my leg outward. You know, I'm in pain. That That's stupid. I used to have to ice my leg, heat my leg. I tried everything, you know, used heat balms, ice packs, everything, creams, nothing worked. And I thought, this is weird. And then I got it checked and it turns out it was a tumor, early grade, and I was able to get it removed. But I guess my advice is if you have any, if your body's telling you something and it's something which is out of the ordinary, get it checked out. Don't leave it because that pain could end up being something serious, like what happened to me, you know? And, you know, especially with men, older men, I find, are really reluctant when it comes to going to the doctor, getting blood tests, that sort of thing. You know, they might think, oh, I got a pain, you know, I got a bit of a headache, but, you know, I've had it for like six weeks, but I'm all right. And then they go to the doctor and it's like a brain tumor, you know what I mean? So, and, you know, and the last thing you want to hear is, oh, you know, you have six months to live, it's spread. That's the last thing you want. And then you got six, you know, if you have an end date and then it's basically all over, you know, it's just a matter of time. So my advice, especially to like older men and also like, you know, men in general who, like I said, generally a bit hesitant with regards to their health, go get checked out if it's something weird. If, if it's something which doesn't get better or it stays the same for a while, I'd go to the doctor, you know, yeah. just go get checked out. It could be nothing, like maybe, you know, it could just be like some tension or something, but at least you go and you know. You know what it is, and you get it done. And if it is something, hopefully, you know, if it's found early, then they can help you. I mean, we have incredible, an incredible medical system, like healthcare system in Australia. Um, like, I got into a public hospital. I got operated on within two weeks of diagnosis. So depending on how serious it is, I mean, we've got excellent healthcare. You've got, you know, lots of medical technology out there, and uh, they'll be able to identify what the issue is. And uh, hopefully, for you know, if all goes well, you'll, uh, you'll be able to get treated and hopefully cured of whatever ailment you might have. No, exactly. And I, you know, just like your story, what you said was if you didn't go and follow your gut instinct, like something's not right, as your doctor said, you could have, you know, been dead, what, within a year or two well, if you had it? he said to me, yeah, he said if I came back, if I went to him a year or two later, so say, you know, around this time, 
and I still yeah. had this pain and I put up with it for two years. Probably by that, well, I, I probably would have known, like, it, it would have spread, but I probably would have had, he said my pelvis would have fractured. So I probably would have felt pain in my pelvis and it would have broken for no reason. I thought, what the hell is it broken? Do I have osteoporosis or something, you know? Mm. And then you go and you find out there's a, you know, tumor, which is even bigger than the one that got caught for me. And then, you know, it might have spread. And with, like I said, with that kind of, you know, with that kind of tumor, chondrosarcoma, it's once it spreads, there's virtually no treatment for it. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. You're so, so, you're so lucky that you trusted your gut though. Yeah, 100%. But, yeah. You know, for, for women... I guess, why is it, and this is a question to you because you're a man, um, <laughs> clearly, um, why, is, why are men so resistant to go to the doctors to get checks and stuff like that? Like, what? Because women, we just go, oh, God, I got a headache. <gasps> I need Panadol. Oh, I'm going to go, you know, straight away to the doctors. Why is it that men are like, nah, I'm not going to do that? Oh, good question. I think it's probably a, a mixture of things. Like maybe they just can't be bothered, or maybe, or maybe, or, or it's probably it's probably that old. You know, it's like with mental illness. You know, you know, with all these research that's come out with mental illness these days. You know, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, like mental illness has always been around. But twenty, thirty years ago it was probably like, oh, you're just having a bad day. So maybe like that mindset probably transcends into physical health as well. So, pe- so some guys, I think they probably they don't want to feel. It's not really the right word, but I, I I think they kind of feel soft in a way. They feel like unmanly. Oh, I've got a bit of a headache. Ah, oh, you'll be right, mate. Take some Panadol and it's gone. You know yeah. what I mean? I'll just take some Panadol. Well, you know, I got this big pain in my chest or whatever it is. Ah, oh, I'll be right. You know, I'll put up with it. You know, I think it's that kind of mentality as well. But luckily, in terms of the mental health space, that's changing very luckily. Like a lot of people are more get, are getting more help and stuff, men and women, which is which is you know good for them. Um, but I think we have a long way to go in terms of uh, physical health. You know, I, th- I wish we had that kind of, uh, um, I wish most people, you know, if they had any kind of unusual feeling in their body or whatever, you know, I just wish they took the initiative and said, okay, it's been like this for two weeks, hasn't gone away. I've given it every kind of medication I can think of and still not gone. I better go get it checked, you know, mm. and and getting it checked early could be the difference, literally the difference for me anyway. That was the difference between life and death. I'd be dead. Yeah. I'd be dead in my 30s like my mum did, you know, so yeah. So that, that, that's the way I see it. So I, I encourage people, anyone who, you know, like I said, if there's something which it's it's getting worse or it's been there for a while, like I'm talking like a month, a few weeks, like six weeks more, and it hasn't abated no matter what, go to the doctor, seriously. Like, don't don't leave it. If anything looks unusual on your skin and it's grown or, you know, it has, you know whatever, it looks weird like a mole or something, just, just go. If it's found early, treated early, it's done. Yeah, that's all I got to say. No, that, that's perfect. And I was going to mention, I've got a um, podcast coming up with Fatima who yeah. shared her domestic violence story, but we also talk about the toxic masculinity versus healthy masculinity these days as well, which I think is a powerful topic as well because it's like society thinks men should be this macho alpha male that don't cry and stuff like that. Yeah. And versus... No, actually, you should be in tune with your feelings and emotions, and you should go to the doctors. You don't have to rub some dirt on it or have a cup of concrete. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, yeah, you're right. Yeah, what it is, and I think that's a brilliant thing. She's like, we need to start talking about these things, and because it's not healthy, these poor men and the suicide rates for men are just 
going up the roof yeah. with each year. And she's got three sons, so that's why she's talking about it. She's like, I don't want them to be one of those statistics as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So it relates to what you're saying as well. Don't, just because you're a man does not mean going to the doctor is weakness. No, absolutely strength. not. It's strength, they definitely. Yeah, it's brave. Well, not brave. I mean, it's oh, it, 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 there's a lot of strength involved to doing it. And, yeah. and, and it shows you're a strong person. Exactly. Yeah. Power of vulnerability, but we won't say that with men because I'll be like, what? Vulnerability? <laughs> vulnerability? I'm a man. I got muscles. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bike. I got a ute and I drink a slab of 4X on the weekends. I'm a bike. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I guess for my listeners, Ash, where can we find your uh, your podcast and where can we find out more about Empower with Ash? Yeah, most definitely. Um, so I'm all over social media at the moment. So LinkedIn, you've got Facebook, you've got Instagram. That's where all my daily posts are. But you can find the podcast content on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And I do have a YouTube channel for some of those I guess those interviews as such, which are more for myself because I can talk to a camera, not necessarily the ones that I'm interviewing. Yeah. Um, but it's a good spread. If people want to see me cry about my domestic violence story, <laughs> there it is. Or you just want to hear it in the car, there it is. I'm catering to all audiences. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. So we can... Oh, well, for me, um, yeah, I'm, I'm basically everywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I yep. just searched in Melbourne last week. Uh, yeah, you can find me yep. on Facebook at in Melbourne last week, Instagram, same one. Uh, Twitter is at IM last week, so I've Igloo M for Mary last week. Uh, in Melbourne last week was taken on Twitter, <laughs> unfortunately, so <laughs> I, had to, I had to go with, yeah, I was like, damn it. So, yeah, um, but I'll put your um, podcast details in the show notes as well with links, you know, so my listeners can have a listen. I'll send you my details as well, so you can put it in your, your notes, and uh, yeah, it's been a nice uh, been a really nice crossover and thanks for uh thanks for being with me today Ash. yeah and my last question for you is you've ah. got season three coming up what are we expecting to see on season three well season three well this is the first episode <laughs> this was kind of decided at the last <laughs> minute um so yeah um well my next episode for next uh see episode two rather it's actually with uh dietitians who specialize in oncology um because one of the themes for this season is cancer so i'm trying to get as many people who've been either affected by cancer or who work with cancer also but of course i've got other people who do different things as well you know because it it's quite a bleak subject and i don't want to really make it too depressing you know you, st- you kind of still want to have share other people's stories uh from different things as well so i'm going to speak to two uh, they actually do a podcast as well um at the moment uh they're two dietitians who specialize with cancer patients so uh, they deal with like the types of food that they should be eating you know that kind of nutrition and uh, yeah they're going to uh, we're going to talk about uh different links to like cancer and food and and ways to reduce your risk of like things like bowel cancer and stomach cancer and esophageal cancer. Um, yeah, so that'll be a really interesting one. Very, uh, very informative uh, episode. And I'm also talking to uh, different podcasters as well. Uh, there's actually an episode coming up where I speak to a producer who produces some of the biggest, well, a couple of the biggest podcasts in Australia at the moment. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about podcasting in Melbourne in general. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a, uh, he describes it as an inception episode. So it's like talking about podcasting within podcasting. So that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting yeah having a deep dive in that um and yeah just very, like different creative people as well people doing different like projects including podcasts or audio dramas and uh, yeah just people especially in melbourne and abroad uh, all doing very extraordinary things and uh, promoting their their projects and such i love that you're going to be talking about you know your topic of i guess your season is cancer and stuff like that i think that is brilliant you're one of yeah and yeah 
I love that. And I can't wait to hear about that podcast within a podcast. I've learned <laughs> a lot from that. Yeah, it's so Inception. Like, yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting. Um, but, yeah, it's just um, just getting different people on board as well. Yeah, I've got about five or six episodes at the moment. Um, yeah, hopefully I'll have about at least 10 to 12 episodes for Season 3, which will be good. Yep. Um, but depends. I mean, if more people come on board and they want to chat, then, uh, yeah, I might extend it. See how we go. Usually a season's about 10 to 12 episodes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Do seasons. Yeah. yeah, break in between. Yeah, that's right. I have a few months off because I've got my Seinfeld podcast as well, but I don't want to be a secondary character. An award-nominated fan cast about Seinfeld and its uh, secondary characters. So it's pretty uh, pretty popular at the moment. It's gained popularity recently quite a bit, so it's charting on Apple Podcasts and everything, so that's always fun. Um, so that one's gone gangbusters. So, yeah, I do that one as well. So you can listen to those episodes as well. So just search Seinfeld and you'll, uh, you'll find the uh, g- microphone wearing a puffy shirt. That's the logo. <laughs> if you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, the puffy shirt. So, yeah, uh, that's that one. Gosh, you've got so much in the pipeline. I know. What about you? Who else do you have coming up after myself? I mean, you said, you said you're going to talk to Fatima or you spoke to Fatima. Um, who yeah. else Who else do you have? Um, I've got Stacey from America. Um, she oh, yeah. was the one that was married to a sociopath. Uh-huh. Um, her story is mind-blowing as well because I haven't met anyone else that has had electronics or cars being bugged and stuff. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. yeah, we connected very well because it was very similar situations as well. Um, but yeah, we've, I really want to um, interview veterans as well. That's huh. something that I've got working in the pipeline because uh, I think they have such powerful stories and they don't get enough credit for what they do and go through. Sorry. So those are some things coming up that I'm really excited to share about. But I've also got some close friends opening up about you know, when they came out being gay, yeah. when their parents, um, like how do they manage that these days? Parents that committed suicide in the same year. Um, yeah, wow, jeez. Another friend that was adopted and then she was literally planning her suicide date. Like all these things with all these people that you know that we all go through. So I've got some powerful stories up in the run, uh, in the pipeline, and then I intend to have a good break over Christmas yeah. to chill. Yeah, after all that, yeah, definitely. Yeah, after all that, yeah. and then I'll be back next year, uh, a little pocket rocket that I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for you, Ash. Well, Ashley Turner, thank you. Well, thank you for being in Melbourne, and thanks for having me on in Power with Ash. It's been great. Well, thank you. I love this. I yeah. love this joint crossover. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> At least we know that we can do it. We can make it work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, be sure to subscribe to both podcasts. Yes, please do. <laughs> please. You will be missing out if you do not listen to us because we are fabulous. Yeah, we sure are. Dynamic duo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks again, Ash. Thank you so much. All right, see ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of In Melbourne Last Week. You can reach out to me via email at inmelbournelastweek at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at inmelbournelastweek. I'm also on Twitter at imlastweek. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other podcast service. You take care, and I'll see you next week for another episode of In Melbourne Last Week. Bye. Bye.